in who God is, the Bible says God is love. In who God is, God is also a wise God. So if I'm walking in the love of God, it has to be in the... John chapter 13, and I'm going to read from verse 34. It says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another by this. Shall all men know that you're my disciples when you have love one for another, or one to another. So Jesus gave us this new commandment, but today I'm going to be touching on something, a part of it, that is Everything is obvious, but except we think about it properly, um, we will act wrongly, praise the Lord, or we will not understand why we're not seeming to meet up with what God's standard is concerning that particular matter. Amen? Uh, concerning this matter of love. Hallelujah. We, we said that love here is the God kind of love. Amen? Um, it is a choice, all right, that God has made to love us or we make to love other people, uh, have them in high regard and have um, um, esteemed them highly. Praise God. Esteeming other people highly, treating them right, treating them according to the will of God, to the word of God concerning everybody. We define love as treating people the way God wants us to treat them. Amen? The reason is that when you form it and blow it up in your emotion or the way the world defines love, you may find yourself falling short of God's glory because you'll be in sin, which is not what God wants us, where God wants us to be. In John, 1 John chapter 5, I'm going to read from verse 1. Praise the Lord. Because I want to deal with our love for God or toward God. Whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. So everyone who loves him who begot, who is he that begot? To be God means he that gave birth or she that gave birth. Hallelujah. Or who has fathered someone. Amen. Brought a child into the world. So he's saying that uh, um, everyone who loves him who be God. You notice that the him there is in cap. The, the, the first alphabet there is in caps. So he tells us who he's talking about. Whenever you see in the scriptures especially when you're looking at the New King James and other translations, and you see capital H where it's in a pronoun, it's talking about God the Father. Amen? It's talking about God the Father or the Holy Ghost or Jesus. That's why you see that where um, you see the word spirit spelt, if you see it start with a capital S, it's supposed to refer to the Holy Ghost. Amen? I, I think that was what the translators used to uh, give us better understanding. Amen? But in the Greek, actually, what you have is pneuma. And pneuma is pneuma. They, don't, they didn't accept the context in which it was used. That's where you're going to know whether it's talking about God the Father or not, or talking about God 
I was talking about some other person, amen? Some other human spirit or some other spirit out there. Praise the Lord. He said, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. So it, it's like um, looking at it, we said that it looks like, it's like looking at it another way. Praise God. But it was needful for, for, for John, the Holy Spirit to the Apostle John, to say this to us, for us to have not throw away this part of it because people now begin to love one another, amen? And sometimes, like we saw a situation where a church had advised the brethren to follow someone to a gay parade, which is crazy, that's sacrilegious. But because they don't know this part of it, they will believe that they were showing love. Praise the Lord. Now, um, someone was telling me, you know, about that they went for, they went to do skiing up in the mountains somewhere, you know, during the winter time. And he was telling me that the first things they teach you is how to, how to fall. They don't teach you how to ski first. They teach you how to fall. See, because you bump into somebody, it's going to be a big lawsuit. So they teach you how to fall. Now, we are looking at things that can trip up people. Things that can cause people to stumble. And they don't know that they're stumbling. Praise the Lord. It says here, by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. It was from here we picked up the fact that love is treating people according to the word of God, according to the will of God. The way God wants us to treat them is God's will. Amen? Hallelujah. For this is the love of God. He said, this is the love of God. This is agape defined. We talked about the fact that the love of God is agape, right? He said, this is agape defined. This is the love of God, that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. God does not lay big things on us, you know. They are easy to do. The wisdom of God, you know, is easy to be entreated. When God says something, it's easy to do. Amen. So we're required to love God, even under the New Testament. We love God. Now, listen to me. I'm not trying to put a new law on you. You have it already in your spirit. What I'm talking about is already in each and every one of us who's born again. If you're born again, it came with a package. You love God. Amen. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Now, somebody says, but I don't have the Holy Spirit. You do. You do in a measure. What I mean by that is that you, when you got saved, it was the Holy Ghost that gave birth to you. Amen? But you have to come to the fullness of the Spirit when you begin to overflow with the Holy Ghost. It is mandatory for every believer. Amen? And so, when God says something, we should listen because he knows more. And how does God speak to us? The primary way God speaks to the believer is through his word, through the scriptures, okay? 
This is electronic, but through the scriptures. All right? So that's how he speaks to us. Before you start getting leading, you know, I'm led by the spirit. You have to know what is in here. Otherwise, um, you can come one day and hear a voice tell you to go and kill yourself. And if you can discern that it didn't come from God, you would go and do stuff like that. The things of God are circumspect. Hallelujah. Or we should walk circumspectly with God, which means don't hear one part of it and run with it without hearing all the parts of it. If we don't do it that way, we're going to be doing things that are not right. Hallelujah. We will miss our part. Glory be to God. Now, this is not to make us feel that we ought to be doubting everything that we're told to do. Okay, God is not. No, just make sure it lines up with the word of God. Amen. Now, in James chapter 3, I'm going to read from verse 17. It says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, that is, is peaceful. Gentle, easy to be entreated, easy to do, hallelujah, or to, be, to carry out, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Now, when I'm walking in love, if it's the love of God, it cannot be foolish. Because in, the, in who God is, the Bible says God is love. In who God is, God is also a wise God. So if I'm walking in the love of God, it has to be in the wisdom of God. It has to produce wisdom. When I'm doing what I'm doing that God sent me to do is go to line up with the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is the word of God. Hallelujah. God is love. In Philippians chapter 1, I'm going to read from verse 9. It says, and this I pray that your love, amen, your agape, your love, your affection, your regard, your goodwill, your benevolence, your reverence uh, in reference to God's love. God's that's our willful direction of love toward God and toward men. This feeling or this ability to do that comes from the Lord. Amen. He said, I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. So it means we should, our love should not be naive. We should grow in the knowledge of God while we're trying to walk in love. So that we're not doing foolish things. And we're not defining it in our own way. Hallelujah. You know, um, you, you usually hear these testimonies that people tell. And they say, you know, um, you know when, when I was, you know, I was just rebellious and I was doing my thing. And they just, my, my mom just loved me unconditionally. She just loved me unconditionally. She didn't, you know, require anything of me and all of that. And then it begins to become how we see God. 
Now, I'm not trying to throw your theology under the bus. Just <laughs> give me some time so you, you get what I'm trying to do. What the Lord sent me to say it to you. Amen? Read the scriptures for yourself. All right? The Bible says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that had no need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Hebrews chapter 12. For the Lord corrects and disciplines everyone whom he loves. This is not saying that the unconditionality of God's love is not there. He loves you. He says, we still love you. He punishes, even scourges every son whom he accepts and welcomes to his heart and cherishes. You must submit to and endure correction for discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not thus train, correct, and discipline? This, the, the presence of discipline is not the absence of love. People say, you need to love me unconditionally. The kid leaves the house uh, and, and never comes back. Comes back two weeks later drunk and you say nothing. Just make a nice bed for him and say, go and lay on it. So that you may show that you love that person unconditionally. God, God says, I love you. But don't destroy yourself. And remember, there are two things. There's a devil out there, and there is my judgment for the wicked. I'm not saying it to discourage you and say, oh, God doesn't really love like that, you know. Oh, boy. You know, they start falling. No, no, no. Don't, don't get into it like that. Understand that whatever God says is for our good. It says, for, who, for what son is there whom his father does not thus train, correct, and discipline? Verse 8. Now, if you, if you are exempted from correction and left without discipline, in which all of God's children share, then you are illegitimate offspring and are not true sons at all. Moreover, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we yielded to them and respected them for training us, which means God absolutely expects that we would discipline our children. It says, we respected them for training us. Shall we not much more cheerfully submit to the Father of spirits and so truly live? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for only a short period of time, and, chastened, uh, and chastised us as seemed proper and good to them. But he, talking about God the Father, disciplines us for our setting good that we may become sharers in his own holiness. For, for the time being, no discipline brings joy, but seems grievous and painful. But afterwards, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it and a harvest of fruit which consists in righteousness, in conformity to God's will, in purpose, thought, and action, resulting in right living and right standing with God. So then, brace up, reinvigorate, and set right your slackened and weakened 
and drooping hands and straighten your feeble and palsied and tottering knees and cut through and make firm and plain and smooth straight paths for your feet. Yes, make them safe and upright and happy paths that go in the right direction so that the lame and the halting limbs may not be put out of joint but rather be killed. Strive to live in peace with everybody and pursue that consecration and holiness without which no, no one will ever see the Lord. The love we have for God is the overriding love. I want you to pay close attention to the, to the way words are used, to the, to the, to the um, context in which things are being said. In verse 8 of Romans chapter 13, it says there, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. I thought we said the law was abrogated. Why is it necessary to mention the fact that if we do this, we have fulfilled the law? I thought the Lord was dead. The law was dead. We, it, doesn't, it doesn't stop there. It gets better. He said, for this, thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. If there be any other commandment, is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love walketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. I thought the law was dead. If the law is dead, why are we careful about fulfilling the law? And the man who taught us grace is the Apostle Paul. And he's the one talking here. What law is he talking about? There is the Ten Commandments. There are other bylaws and stuff like that, statutes that is the washings of the law, the ceremonies of the law that have been abrogated because they are not needed. They have been fulfilled and superseded. The sacrifices under the law have been fulfilled and superseded. Do you understand what we're saying? Praise the Lord. You do understand because God has given you understanding. Amen. Now, what we're saying is that these ten commandments, he compressed it into two main commandments. Matthew 22. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to, to silence, verse 34, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and the great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Which means if you do these things, you fulfill the law and the prophets. Hallelujah. Now, why, why, why are we talking about loving God? Because you see in the scriptures, people do some things. And it will look as if it didn't seem to please men, which is the impression we get when we talk about love. 
and you're wondering, why is he talking like that? Why would Jesus take a whip and drive people from the temple? And he's supposed to be love. It is Jesus, the friend of sinners. He ate with them. He never judged them. Yet he took a whip and drove people from the temple. And I said in church that that is love. That is the love of God. There are two things there. And the first one is greater than the second one. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. He called it the great commandment. It is God's love. It's our love for God that is the overriding love. Otherwise, we can interpret loving one another the way some have interpreted it. And if a church goes astray, people stay in the church.